before I do begin, I, I do want to offer a couple of announcements uh, for those people who might be listening to the sermon a little bit later today, just to remind you of all the things going on in the life of the church. Even with everything going on in the world, most of our ministries, we want to try to continue as best we can. As you all already know, it is spring break this week, and so our Wednesday evening programs were already canceled for this week. As of right now, the rest of our calendar is still intact, but I do want you to know tomorrow morning, first thing, uh, our staff will meet, and uh, we're going to be talking not only about our calendar, about worship, about all the things that we do, and trying to make decisions about what we can continue and what we need to hold off on for uh, a few days or weeks or however long we need to hold off. So we'll be doing that first thing in the morning. I want to encourage you to keep an eye on our website, keep an eye on your email, keep an eye on Facebook and things like that. We'll send out all of those announcements. Uh, online so that all of you will know in plenty of time before we change any uh, of our schedule or anything is canceled. I do want to let you know, I forgot to say this earlier, that uh, there are some, for those of you who bought coffee to, to support our preschool, all of that coffee is out in the uh, narthex, and so uh, please make sure you pick that up before you leave. As for worship, one of the challenges that we face in a time like this is a time when we have the potential to hurt each other is also a time when we really need each other most. And so uh, as long as it doesn't seem reckless or as long as it doesn't seem like we're hurting each other, we want to try to worship together because God calls us to worship. So that's why we're here today and we'll continue to worship today. As you know, we're in the midst of the season of Lent, and we are uh, going through many of the questions that Jesus asked throughout his ministry. And we'll look at one more question today from the Gospel of Mark. That's Mark chapter 4. It's going to begin with verse 35 and go through 41. Found on page 816 in your pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along with me. Uh, But before I read that, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you and we thank you for your love. Amen. Again, Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him up and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up. And he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So one of my favorite traditions, or Julianne and my favorite tradition since we came here to Faith Presbyterian, is our annual trunk or treat. 
Part of that is because we both like Halloween very much, and we like dressing up for Halloween. Apparently, uh, when you get married, you have to dress up as a couple. I didn't realize this, but we try to dress up as a couple every year. I have a, a costume that matches each other. And some of those costumes have been pretty successful, I would add. You might remember the very first costume that we dressed up as. She was a Ghostbuster, and I was the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. I know that was successful because uh, Sarah Kate Welty called me the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man for the next year, so it was very memorable. The next year, maybe not quite so successful. We dressed up, uh, you might remember that was the year of the solar eclipse, and so she dressed up as the sun and I dressed up as the moon, and apparently it was not as intuitive as we thought it was, but we did pass out moon pies, and so people liked the candy that we were giving. Uh, two years ago, we dressed up as Jurassic Park. She was a dinosaur, and I got to live out my dream of being Chris Pratt. And so I dressed up as Owen. Come to think of it, that might be Julianne's dream, too. Um, but then this past year, a little homage to our favorite uh, Disney movie, we dressed up as lions from The Lion King. It's all great fun, and we love dressing up, but we noticed as we were walking through the kids and walking through uh, uh, the parking lot that for some of those kids, it was a little more than fun. For some of those kids, we were a little scary. I noticed, in fact, especially when we covered our face, it was scary for the children. Last year, when we dressed up as lions, I had a big old mask that covered my entire head, and we were walking through the fellowship hall, and one of my dear friend's family that I'm very close to here in the church, their little son, who's four or five years old, was terrified. He ended up running immediately for me, almost out of the fellowship hall, and when I realized he was scared, my heart was broken, and I immediately took my mask off, and I got down on one knee, and I said, it's just me, it's your buddy Brad, and after a few minutes, he realized it was me, he came back over to me, and he seemed to calm his fears, but I asked him if I could put my mask back on, he said, no. Well, we all get afraid sometimes. In fact, we all feel afraid not just of, of scary things like that when we're children, but we're afraid even as adults, and maybe some of you are afraid right now with all that's going on in the world. The Bible talks about fear, and you know that. You might even remember that about a year and a half ago, we did a whole sermon series called Faith Unafraid, where we talked about the ways that the Bible talks to us about fear, things that we're supposed to be afraid of and things that we're not supposed to be afraid of. And the passage that I just read to you this morning was one of the passages that we uh, read back then. It's one of my favorite stories, in fact, from the Gospels. It's the story of Jesus when he and the disciples go across the Sea of Galilee and, and Jesus is obviously tired after doing all of the ministry he had done, sleeping in the back of the boat and then kind of crazy, a crazy story out there on this Sea of Galilee that was not much bigger than a large lake. A storm rose up, such a storm that the wind was tossing the boats back and forth, such a storm that this, this boats were almost swamped over, and the disciples were afraid. They were afraid they were going to drown. They were afraid they were going to die. And so they go and find Jesus and wake him up and ask him, Have you forgotten about us? Do you not care about us? We're about to die here. And Jesus asks the question, that we're asking ourselves this morning, why are you afraid? 
Now, I have to tell you, as a pastor, that doesn't seem like a very fair question, not a very pastoral question from our Lord and Savior. Of course they're afraid. We get afraid sometimes, especially when our lives are in danger, and especially the disciples in this moment, of course they're afraid, because we know that we're mortal, fragile people, and we know there are things in this world that we can't control. And so when those things come upon us, it's a natural feeling, a normal feeling to be afraid. But maybe we need to put those two questions together and maybe that will help us a little bit because I know for a fact that Jesus himself was afraid at times. He was afraid before he had to face the cross. That's why he asked God if it was his will to take this cup from him. But Jesus actually asks two questions there together that may help us. Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? I think if we put those questions together, we realize what Jesus is asking us. Does your fear inform your faith or does your faith inform your fears? The Bible, through without question, tells us that our faith should help us with our fears, inform our fears whenever we are afraid. Walter Brueggemann described it, one of my professors described it like this. He was teaching a class, and while we were sitting there feverishly writing notes, he said, put your pencils down for a minute. He said, I want you to imagine being a child. You've gone to bed at night, and you wake up in the middle of the night in the darkness, and you start to hear some creaks and bumps in the night, and then you even see a few shadows from the moonlight through the window, and you get afraid, and so you do what any child would do. You cry out to your parents, Mom and Dad, I'm afraid I'm alone. Come and get me. And in the middle of the night from the darkness, your parents come in, wrap you up in their arms, and hold you tightly and remind you, we're here. We'll always be here. We're here to help you. You don't have to be afraid. Walter Brueggemann says that's one of the most fundamental messages of the Bible, that God comes to us when we're afraid, wraps us in God's arms, and reminds us that we are not alone. Of course, the experience of the disciples in this passage, and maybe our experience from time to time, is that God doesn't show up exactly when we want God to. That we cry out and we cry out and we're wondering, has God forgotten about us? We're waiting and hoping that God will show up. We have faith that God will show up, but at times maybe that faith wanes a little bit and we wonder, is God really here? I had that experience myself when I was a teenager. I was babysitting a, a young child from our church. We were friends with their family and the parents had gone out for the night and so I was babysitting him and uh While we were there playing, he was actually a pretty precocious little kid, but the time came for him to go to bed, and I put him to bed and and said our prayers, and I walked and left and went in to watch a Braves baseball game, and then all of a sudden I heard from the other room this crying coming out from the other room, and I went in there to see what was wrong, and he told me he was afraid, and he, he told me he didn't know what to do, that he wanted his mommy, and I said, well... Your mom's not home yet, so let's try to go back to bed. And I put him back to bed. I went back into the room, and he cried out again. And finally, I realized I had to do something. So I asked him, what does your mother do when she's home and you're afraid? And he said, she sings to me. She sings, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. And she sings to me until I fall asleep. Now, I knew my singing would make him more afraid. And so I asked him, I told him, why don't you sing? Sing that song as long as you're afraid. You can sing that song yourself. It'll remind you of your mother, and pretty soon your mom will be home. 
So I went back into the, the room and started watching the Braves baseball game, but I got up a couple of times just to check on him, and I kept hearing him in that room. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Singing just to keep himself from giving in to his fears, from falling apart in that dark night. See, that's really, I think, the question that Jesus is asking us in this passage. He's not telling us that you're wrong to be afraid. Fear is a very natural thing. What Jesus is asking us is, what do you do when you're afraid? Do you cry out in anger or frustration? Do you lash out at other people? Do you ask God, do you not care about me? Or do you sing with hope? Hope that God is on his way. I have to tell you, over the past couple of days, I have seen both of those things happen in our world. Julianne actually came home just yesterday, and she had run out to the drugstore to, uh, to get some stuff for us. And while she was there, she got home. She, she was really in tears when she got home. She said, Brad, it's just amazing how stressed out people are. Had anxiety, you can just feel it everywhere you go. She said, I watched as a, a little woman yelled at a clerk at the, at the drugstore because they didn't have the cleaning supplies that she wanted and was so angry and mean to him, and that little clerk had nothing to do with it. And then I, I saw another woman who was so upset because they didn't have the thermometer that she wanted, and I offered to, to buy her one that was a little more expensive, but she just, in her anxiety, left and, and didn't get anything. And I I felt so sad. People were just so angry and anxious with each other. Well, I didn't know what to do. I, I pulled out my phone, and maybe some of you all have seen this before. I, I, I showed her on my, on my phone, on my Instagram page, pictures from Italy where the people are all quarantined right now, but they're even in the midst of their quarantine. They're coming out in cities like Rome and Milan, coming out on their balconies and singing songs to each other singing patriotic songs and soccer songs and maybe even a few religious songs too, singing out that we will not be defeated by this, joining their voices together, even though they're physically separated, joining their voices together in a chorus of hope. Jesus Christ asks us, does your fear inform your faith or does your faith inform your fear? Do you give in to your fears and cry out and lash out and show anger and hatred to one another? Or do you sing songs of hope to remind each other that in moments like this, God has not left us alone? That's what we're called to do as a church in times like this, is to try to go out into the world and to remind those people that are isolated around us that they're not alone. To be those visible reminders for them that you shouldn't give in to your fears you should hold on to your faith. And I hope we'll find ways to do that. That's one of the things our staff is going to talk about tomorrow, but I hope you'll find ways to do that too. There are people around you that are isolated right now because they don't feel safe coming to churches like this. I hope you'll find ways to reach out to them. You may be able to run some errands for them, or you may just pick up the phone and call them and have a conversation with them just to remind them that they're not alone where they are. There are people around us right now that, that are, because of what's going on, they're losing money. They're not getting paychecks that they need. You might have the means to reach out to them and maybe even pay a bill for them. I hope you'll do that. Or just reach out to them and let them know that they're not alone and, and let me know so our church can try to help them. Of course, their children right at Sealy Elementary School, that when they're out of school, they don't get all the 
meals every single day that they get while they're in school. We're going to reach out to them. I'm already calling the principal there to find ways that we can help them. But in doing those things, you remind the people around us that they're not alone, that God hasn't left us, that God will never leave us, that God loves us and will not let us go. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's nothing to be afraid of. I'm not saying that fear is unnatural. Fear is an important part of our lives. We use fear and face fears every single day. That's part of what it means to be a mortal human being. And all of us as fragile, mortal people have to face fear from time to time. In fact, all of us at some point are going to have to face the fear of our own mortality. And in those moments, God calls us to face it with courage, to let our faith inform that fear. Frederick Breitner, the great Presbyterian pastor, said it like this. He said, if it's true about God, then as my father said, there's nothing to worry about, not even death, not even life. Not even losing the ones you love most in the world. Because as my grandmother Naya told me, no one is ever really lost. If it's true, then you would live out your days as one who continues to be afraid of many things, but in the deepest, most final sense, you live without fear. That's what Jesus Christ calls us to do, to take our fears and let our faith inform them. Or as that famous quote says, courage is just fear that has said its prayers. Let me tell you one final story before I close today. It was one of the most inspirational things I've ever seen, and it actually happened when I was witnessing someone pass away. I was working in the hospital, the children's hospital in Atlanta, and um, a teenager had been struggling and fighting cancer for many years, and was finally his parents had decided that the treatment just wasn't working. They needed to make a tough decision. And so luckily, although I was the chaplain, they had a pastor and a youth pastor there to help them. And so they finally made the decision that treatment needed to stop, that they needed to to trust in faith and trust in the promise of heaven. I gathered with them in that hospital room as the, the parents made the decision. They said a prayer together, and then the doctors started to turn off machines and, and, and trust that God would take care of their child. And in those moments, of course, as you might imagine, they were shaking and sad and with teared-in eyes. After that prayer was said, that youth pastor started to sing, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I'm, I'm free. And in those moments, the family gathered around and sang with them. And that shaking and those tear-dead eyes stopped for a few moments and they held each other close and sang those words. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And in those moments, I remember the words that we're about to sing from another hymn that means a lot to me. It's those words, No storm can shake my inmost calm, while to that refuge clinging, since Christ is Lord of heaven and earth. How can I keep from singing? Jesus asks us, Why are you afraid? And we answer, We are afraid, 
But we also know that in the darkest times of life, we have reason to keep singing. To the glory of God. Amen.